Well, we're in week two of this little mini-series, How to Neighbor. And before we started that two weeks, we took two weeks called How to Move. How to Move and How to Neighbor. Uh, we have talked about really the most important things Jesus tells us to be about. How to move and how to neighbor. And we read about that in the book of Matthew, chapter 5. Jesus, uh, pardon me, Matthew chapter 22. Jesus is confronted by a Pharisee, a Bible teacher in the synagogue. And, and, and they're trying to trap him. They want to loophole Jesus into saying something wrong so that they can catch him and they can deny him and they can tell everybody, ah, he's a blasphemer, he doesn't know what he's talking about, but you just can't catch the son of God in something wrong. He's like sinless, he's like perfect, and he always like turns it back on him, he's like, what? Now, he doesn't say, what? I don't think there's like a John three forty two where he goes, and Jesus dropped the mic and said, what, son? <laughs> but basically, that's what he's doing here. And in Matthew chapter 22, teacher, this Pharisee says, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replies, Here's the greatest, the greatest commandment in the law of Moses. Hundreds of laws, including the Ten Commandments, all a list of the law of Moses given by God to Moses, to the Israelites, to the Hebrew children in the wilderness. He says, what's the greatest out of all those? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's the greatest commandment. But he doesn't stop there. He says, and the second is like it. The second holds as much weight. The second is just as critical to your life. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And he doesn't just finish there. He really puts the nail in by saying all the law. How much of the law? All the law and the prophets hang on that hinge. All the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Well, if it were so simple, why aren't we just being about it? It's so simple, but yet we want, we want to hear messages on other things. We, we, we want to have, you know, it doesn't sound, you know, really uh, complex, does it? The gospel's not to be complex. It is simple. Love God. Love people. And here's why loving people is as important as loving God. Because some people cry, Lord, Lord, I love you. But when they see someone hungry, they don't give them something to eat. They see someone thirsty, they don't give them something to drink. They see someone in prison and they don't go and visit them. And Jesus says himself, those that cry, Lord, Lord, may not make it into heaven because they saw those things and they didn't do it. Because when you do these things, it's like you are doing it unto me. Because you don't have to feed Jesus. Jesus doesn't need your food. You, 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 don't have to, you don't have to visit Jesus in prison. He's not in prison. Um, Jesus is okay. But the way we show our love to God is also by showing not only to him and devotion to him, but the way we kiss him on the cheek and say, I love you, Jesus, is when we love our neighbor. Last week we talked about who our neighbor is and how to get involved in their life. And it was a timely message for us jumping in and helping neighbors we didn't know. But today I want us to, to drill a little bit deeper beyond um, helping people in time of crisis. I want to talk about the power, the power of inviting people to Jesus. And, and I, want to, I want to show you the scripture in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. You know the Proverbs, there's 31 of them. And if you're looking for a way to start Bible reading, if you'll just take today, September 10th, and read Proverbs 10, 
that's a great, that's a great track to get on. Tomorrow, Proverbs. Oh, you guys are mad. You're sharp. I got to get one. First service, they were like, you know, you guys are on it. Okay. Yeah, and every day. So on the, when it ends the 30th, start over on the 1st. When it's a 31 month, go to 31. But read the Proverbs. There's wisdom, packed full of wisdom. Never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Whoa, heavy scripture. Your hand is God's hand for that person. We saw on the news a few months ago some Florida teenagers filming on their iPhone a gentleman struggling and drowning in the middle of a neighborhood lake. And over, you can Google it on your own time. I know some of you are like, oh, I'm going to check that out. You can hear them laughing. That dude's going to drown. What, you shouldn't have got in there if you can't swim, idiot? That man drowned, died in that lake. They found his body five days later. Because these kids didn't go around telling anybody. And it was after the fact that that video came out. What was worse is there was no way to even prosecute these teenagers. There's no law against standing by and watching them drown. There was no crime they committed by just standing there watching according to the law of Florida. But can I tell you, according to the word of God, it would be sinful. To stand and watch our friends, our relatives, our associates, and our neighbors drown in the water of sin with no hope found in Jesus. It would be, it would just be wrong of us. And so the proverb goes on to say, never tell your neighbors to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. That's some of you with dream teams. Man, when my schedule slows down, I'm going to serve in the church on a dream team. Guess what? I got a, you know, I got a surprise for you, okay? Lean in. Your schedule ain't going to slow down. It's not going to accidentally one day pop out of your iPhone and your schedule comes knock on your door and says, hey, we need to talk. I got to, I can't keep up, you know. Like, you are putting stuff on my calendar that, like, I cannot, my, you know, look, look, schedule's got to have a Sabbath. Schedule's not going to do that. Guess who's going to change your schedule? You. You're going to make the time. And I am challenging you. I'm inviting you. I am putting down the gauntlet that if you have not been helping, if you've not gone through starting point, if you've not, now you're new to the church, you're dipping your toe in the water, that's great. Uh, you, you, you still, I invite you, take a next step. Go through the starting point process. Join a dream team. Serve, because I'm telling you, don't tell your neighbors to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. And it's not way. It's not just dream teams. It is, it is seeing needs and filling those needs, seeing an area that you can impact people for the cause of Christ. You know that you live in a place that people want to be saved. You know, you, you got to understand, people want to be saved. Now, it, they want to be saved, and some of them are finding salvation because they want to be saved from the hurt they're feeling. And so in order to be saved from the hurt they're feeling, they will drown that hurt by all kinds of things. Whether it be overeating, whether it be alcohol, whether it be relationships, whether it, whether it be drugs, whether it be you name it, people want to be saved. 
And they will do whatever's in their power to be saved from the stuff that hurts them. The stuff that doesn't feel good. The stuff that, that, that makes them feel helpless. People that, that, that want to feel loved. They want to be saved from this situation where they don't feel loved. And they're willing to find it however, whenever, with whoever. Just so they feel loved. People want to be saved. And what's beautiful about Jesus is for the person who's hopeless, he is hope. For the person that's restless, he is peace. For the person that needs a new identity, he gives a new identity. We find our identity in Christ. People want to be saved, and you and I have the best answer for those that are looking for salvation, and it is in the person of Jesus Christ. You still with me so far today? So the person of Jesus Christ, leaning into him, trusting him, surrendering and submitting. You know what? I was looking at this the other day. Surrender and submission. Surrender and submission. When we really understand our relationship with Jesus, it would involve surrender and submission. You know surrender? Surrender is where you say, I give up. I give up. I can't do anything. I like, you know, surrender. Submission is where I choose. I don't have a gun to my head, right? I don't have a gun to my head, but I submit to authority in my life. I could choose my own path here, but I submit to the GPS telling me, turn left in 0.2 miles. No, 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 that's not where we go. I, you know, but I submit to the direction of the GPS. I want to do it this way, but my wife says, you know what, we ought to handle it this way. And we talk about, and as a woman, you know, I'm going to submit to your husband. No, there's mutual submission there. And you know what, I choose, I submit to that voice in my life. Knowing Jesus is finding glad surrender. Not like, Jesus put a gun to my head. I guess I got to serve him now. It's a glad surrender. I surrender all to you. And I submit that when I feel like I've got the right way, I submit to your way because your word is going to be the lamp unto my feet. Not what culture says is the lamp unto my feet. Not what seems right to man, but in the end leads to destruction. I'm going to trust you and surrender and submit. You're still with me so far. People want to be saved. And because of that, people are hungry for something that you have. They're hungry for the hope you have. And guess what? You got hope in vast supply if you know Jesus. You got like all the hope. People are just like itching for hope. Huh? They, they, they need their next fix of hope. And you are a hope trafficker. You're like a dealer in hope. I got what you need. Pull out a King James, right? No. You, you, <laughs> I need a dose of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, right? So. You've got what people need if you are someone who has bowed a knee to Jesus. You have what they need. And here since the beginning of time, God has chosen to partner with humanity in his message. He did not say, step aside, humans. He engaged us in the process. So people want to be saved. It's not just Jesus coming down and doing his own thing. He empowered us with his spirit. He came to show us he was willing to get on our own level. Then he died, he, rose, he was buried, he rose again. He paid for our sin and he's given us the Holy Spirit. In fact, the scripture says, greater things you will do with his spirit than he did even on earth. And he can be in more places than, than, than one place at a time because his spirit dwells within you and he's called you to be the mouth, the hands, the feet, the eyes, the ears, the heart, the body of Christ. Church is not service. Church is the body. And can I tell you something? There are tons of your friends. We have created an environment that we want to make it easy for you to invite people to Jesus. 
to invite people to come to church and experience church, but find and follow Jesus. But there are also people that will never darken the door of this church that God has called you to be the church beyond the walls of this building. God has called you to be Jesus to them. And there are those people in your life, in your sphere of influence, they may never go to a church with you, but they will have a conversation with you and you are called to see people saved. That sounds intimidating. That sounds hard. That may be easy for you, Jeremy. Man, I don't even know where to start. I don't know where to begin. Today, I want to give you a blueprint. I want to give you some handlebars to take a next step, that by the time we leave here today with the time we have left, you will value, so value the reality of the need for salvation, the need for people to know Jesus, that you will not stay silent, that you, that you will not wait for tomorrow if you can help them now. So I want to give you a blueprint, and we all start Take your worship guide and write these down. We all start with the right mindset. If you go in with the wrong mindset, it's going to affect the importance and the potency of how you share Jesus. And when you start with the right mindset, it's not like you're rocky, you know, jumping rope and eating, drinking egg yolk and getting geared up for the big, you know, ask them, which, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? Bow a knee right now. And they're like, I'm just in the break room getting a Snickers bar out of the vending machine. What are you talking about? You got to have the right mindset. So let's start with this true or false. True or false. Every wayward person you know would live a vastly better life if God's love, grace, and redemption were operating in their lives. It's true. Let me pause. Let me step out of the sermon for a second and talk to you for those that are still investigating Christ. This message is for those that have, that have bowed a knee to Christ, but this is also a message for you if you're still investigating, you're still looking, you're still trying to figure out where Jesus fits in your life. And I want to say, you are in the right place at the right time. You are here. And I want you to know that as I talk, this may not be completely applicable to you right now because you've not asked Jesus to be the center of your life. But as you listen and you hear the scripture, I believe that if you'll just keep an open heart, God wants to say something to you about what he can provide for you, through you, to you today, even though I'm talking to those that have already crossed the line of faith. So don't tune me out. Okay, back into the message. Here we go. They would live a vastly better life if God's love, grace, and redemption operating them. Of course that's true. Of course it's true. So let's act like it. Let's believe it. Let's engage this. And so here's, here are some, some, some thoughts that I want you to, to really have a mindset on. Jesus is worth knowing. He's worth knowing. He's worth loving. He's worth having a personal relationship with. He is worth taking time every day in quiet solitude to look at the word of God. Bible says Jesus, the word of God became flesh. When you read the word, Jesus is the fulfillment of that word. And when you spend quiet, he's worth knowing. He's worth knowing. You know who's worth knowing? My dad is someone worth knowing. And when I go through a tough time and I've got a decision I need to make, man, you know somebody I call pretty quick is my dad. I'm thankful for that relationship. He's worth knowing. And I'll put the phone to my ear and say, Dad, what would you do 
in this situation. And he talks to me and I listen. And this, as real, as real as my relationship is with my earthly father, there is a real relationship with our heavenly father and his son Jesus. And he's worth knowing for answers to direction, for calm. There's times I'll call my dad, he says, chill, chill. Thus saith the Lord, chill. <laughs> and we know he's worth knowing. Next, I'm designed to be the salt of the earth. You're called the salt of the earth in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says. You're the salt of the earth, the city on a hill. You're a light in the darkness. I mean, you are salt. And you know, salt, that word back in the, the, the biblical times, salt was valuable. When you say they're not worth their salt, it's because salt was a huge commodity like gold. People were paid in salt. Guess what they didn't have back in like, you know, Jerusalem? Ice. They did not have refrigerators. So when, they, so when they went to Logan's Roadhouse and they got the eight-ounce filet and they couldn't eat it all because they were just full up on the bread and the butter and they asked for extra whipped cream and cinnamon to mix it all in and it was so good. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you are already making reservations right now. I got full on the bread. I take the steak home and they didn't have anywhere to keep it cold. So if they had anything that they wanted to preserve, they had to have the salt that would be a preservative They'd have to pack it with salt, keep it from spoiling. Salt was a preserving component. Salt was a penetrating. It had a medicinal quality. Salt is what they are paid. It's where we get the word, it's, it's the, the root word salary. Same with salary, all comes from the same root word. Salt per- preserves, salt penetrates, salt purifies. You can put salt, you know, you put salt in the wound, it kind of stings. There's like a purification. You know, you're made of so, a lot of salt. If you didn't have salt in your, in, in your body, you, 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 you'd just like lock up. Now, some of you got too much salt, right? You got a little bit too much salt. Lay down the sodium. But, but salt is just a part when it's in the right dose. It's a healthy part of our life. Salt, we're designed to be the salt of the earth. There is no plan B. He sent his son Jesus, and he told you and me to tell people about him. It's as simple as that. To be the salt. Look, look what scripture says, Colossians 4. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders be wise the way you act towards outside people outside the church make the most of every opportunity let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt see god's not saying you're the salt of the earth so i want you to go pour the salt down your neighbor's throat salt seasons Salt brings uh, something along. You don't have a meal, dinner. What's for dinner tonight? Salt. It's part of the dinner. It's part of the conversation. And we're to be seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. I should engage a missionary mentality. Long gone are the days where the church just sends out missionaries across United States boundaries. You are called to be a missionary to your workplace, to your school, to your family, to your subdivision. Now, here's how missionaries work. Now, think about this. If we send out a missionary to, let's say, Beijing, okay? If we send a missionary out to Beijing, if that missionary got off the plane and this was their, their plan, okay? Just tell me if this would work. 
They come out, they got a duffel bag full of Jesus Culture CDs and, and Gaither vocal band. And, and for those who don't know Gaither, that's Southern Gospel. Um, Turn your radio on and listen to the music in the air. And, and, and so they're, they're having everybody turn their radio on. And they've got their duffel bag and they're saying, hey, listen to this music. Here's a list of the words that we say in church. You're going to wear that to church? <laughs> Make sure you get the dress code. Here's the dress code. Okay, thank you. Um, you know what? Uh, I don't know. I'm just going to talk to you louder because I really don't know your language. So I'm just going to say, here's the church and here's the steeple. And you open the door and we want you to be part of the people. Okay. You would, you would rip that missionary off the field. You'd say, get back over here. No, what a missionary does is they learn the language. They learn the culture. They don't come in with a lunchbox when they're invited over to dinner and say, I got a Lunchable because I'm not eating that kind of fish. Man, when I went to Africa preaching this big crusade last year in August, I had something called Oful, and it, sound, and it tasted just like it sounded. Oful. <laughs> Pig intestines, the actual tube, chopped up like Funyuns. <laughs> Boiled. A little salt. And, they, and, and my friend I was with, Greg Ford, said, dude, you got to try these. you got to try these. He's a liar. He's a liar. I sat down at the table. I put some offal in my mouth. I went, hmm. The guy next to me, the superintendent of the churches, said, yes. And I went, mm -hmm. mm. It lasts. It was chewy. You know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to go, what? Where is Kentucky Fried Chicken around here? No, I... I'm going to say thank you for the food that did not taste good to me, but it's actually a delicacy in Malawi, a delicacy. I'm going to learn the culture. When the time is right, I'm going to have a voice to share. That's how missionaries work. And look, we can be so quick to, to aggressively attack culture that we marginalize our voice. Just a church just going to attack culture, we marginalize ourselves by attacking. Nobody wants to have a conversation with someone that's yelling at the top of their lungs. That's not a conversation. You're just yelling at people. That's not going to work. That's some methods that people use. That, that, that I'm going to encourage you to choose a different message. We can so retreat from culture that we isolate the voice of the church. And so we run so far away, we're never really to engage conversation. We're never really willing to talk. We're never really willing to, to investigate and find out what's going on in people's lives. And we so retreat because it's us and we're going to be separated and we're going to be white, you know, crimson covered and white uh, like a bride and ready for him. But yet Jesus invites us to be a part of those that are outside to invite them in to where we're called to lead them. So really we're, we're called to be missionaries where we use our voice through the love of Jesus. The more we love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, the more we'll know how to use our voice so that God can provide transformation in the hearts and minds of people. We got to be missionaries. Look at yourself. You say, I'm a missionary today. I'm a missionary to that school. I'm a missionary to that hospital. I'm a missionary to that, uh, to that uh, oil field. I'm a missionary uh, to, to that crew. I'm a missionary. And I'm, gonna, I'm going to use my 
influence in the right way. Next, I need to remember my role. You don't save anybody. I don't save anybody. I don't get people saved by me. Jesus is the one who saves. And Paul makes it clear in the scripture in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, my work was to plant the seed in your hearts. And Apollos, another minister, his work was to water it. But it was God, not we, not Paul, not Apollos, who made the garden grow in their hearts. You're, you are called to be a seed slinger. But not to be, not to be just like walking through the, the halls of your, of your office, or the halls of your job, or the halls of your home, you know, just, oh, Jesus lives, he saves. And he slings some seed. The Bible's pretty clear. It shows us a parable. You can sling seed and it just lands on ground. It's never going to suck it up. It's never going to soak it up. It's never going to germinate. So we have to be intentional where we plant the seed. But we got to sling the seed. We got we to be willing to plant a harvest and God gives the increase. I must crank up my boldness. If you want to really reach people outside the church, you got you to gotta crank it up, baby. You got to crank up some boldness. Because I tell you, if left to our own devices, we will do the easy thing. We'll do the easy thing. And sharing Jesus in a very simplistic way, which I'm going to get to, is very, it's, it's not always easy. It's intimidating. It can be nerve-wracking. Because we think that we got to give a sermon like Jeremy gives. We got to get a piano behind us. So you turn on your iPhone and you put it in your pocket and it's like, Jesus be the Lord of all. And you're saying, hey, if you're in the community and you need to bow a knee to Christ. No, you don't have to have an altar call. You just have to be willing to crank up your boldness. I was talking with someone from our church just the other day who they were going through a tough spot in life. Her and her family, her husband, you name it. They were going through a tough spot. And God was doing a work in their family. She was reading a book, and this book was just meaning so much. It was a, a book, Battlefield of the Mind, by Joyce Meyer. I think we have that available in the Cafe Aroma. She said, it meant so much to me. Well, she became aware of a tough situation that a neighbor friend of hers was going through. She didn't know what to say. She wanted to say something. She didn't know how to act. She, and she, she told me the other day, I was so nervous. I, could, I just didn't know what, what they're doing, what to say. And I asked God, God, help me just walk, just walk across the street to their house. You know, some of us, we, we average about 10 to 12 to 15,000 steps a day. But it could, those 40 steps could be the hardest steps you ever take. The hardest steps. God's calling us to walk across a lawn. Walk across the street. And she gave this friend a book and said, this book meant a lot when I was going through a tough time and maybe it'll be helpful to you. That, that turned into a God moment. It turned into a God moment. A lot of cool things coming out of that one moment. Can I just tell you, we just gotta build up, gotta crank up the boldness. And you know how we crank up the boldness? It's not by you biting your bottom lip a little bit harder. It is, you're gonna receive the power. You can receive the boldness. You can receive the strength that it takes when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. We need to desire the pouring out of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If you are saved, you have the Spirit living within you. When the point of salvation, the Holy Spirit is with you, the Spirit of Jesus. But there is also a request that he says you can ask of him. He said, you can ask me for more of my spirit. 
And if you are hungry enough and you ask him, he will pour out that spirit on you. And it's not for you to get goosebumps and feel all tickly and have some crazy service that goes out of control, which some of you, that may be like what you think the Holy Spirit is all about. But really, the key component to the Holy Spirit is to empower the body of Christ to think and act and be like Jesus to a culture that is dying in confusion. On the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God was poured out, yes, thank you. When the Spirit of God was poured out, let me tell you this. Peter stood up in boldness, and they didn't speak in tongues just to speak in tongues. It was a sign of God, and it was the message of Jesus to the culture through a very chaotic moment. And if we are living, brothers and sisters, in a chaotic moment, if we are living in a time that is chaotic, it is 2017 in these United States. We are living in chaos And yet Jesus has the answer for the chaos. It is an empowered church full of the Holy Spirit. Not for them to say, doesn't that feel warm and good? But for us to be outside sharing with boldness through the chaos, the powerful life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Are you with me this morning? You'll be my witnesses. We got to have the right Mindset. Number two, we got to share the right message because you can have the right mindset and you can share the wrong message. There are a lot of people that have their mindset, but they're sharing the wrong message. The message is like turn or burn, get right or get left. It's a message. And you know, it's his kindness that leads to repentance. You know, it's his grace. It's not just being mad at people. There's power in the message of Jesus. We got to share the right message. I'll take a little bit of time to tell you the story that, and and maybe you've heard me tell this story before. It's it's crazy. When I was a senior in high school, I was in love with Jesus so much and empowered by the Spirit. And and I was part of a youth group that loved Jesus, and we had our own blitzes and stuff. And it wasn't near as cool students as the blitz that Pastor Seth does. I mean, it was like, it was boring. We were like shaving water balloons with like whipped cream off of them. You know, I was like, you know, you guys are like partying, DJ. And we were like, dunk for apples you know what I mean so you guys are having fun we come off of this drama at this church and I'm the main character and it was an awesome prayer time and it's midnight and I'm coming home through Wichita Kansas and I'm out of gas and I've got the e-light on on the on the fuel tank and I go to pull into the quick trip and when I pull in I almost ran somebody over middle of midnight midnight woman walking across the road I slammed on my brakes in my little four-door mercury topaz and she slammed her hand down on the hood like this <sighs> She gave me the evil eye. And I went, oh, I was a senior in high school, you know. Ah! She goes, she, she kept walking. I was like, oh, thank you, God, for not letting me run over somebody on the night that I was having this awesome service, you know. I pull in, I'm getting gas, and as I'm getting gas, off of this spiritual high of this worship service and stuff, I'm getting gas, I'm loving Jesus. I'm like, God, bring people into my path, <laughs> you know, no pun intended. I pay, for the, I pay for the gas. I get into the car. I'm about ready to leave. And there's a knock on my passenger window like to scare me to death. And I turn around, and it's the woman. She's back. And she knocks on the window. And me being very, you know, cool and strong and muscular, you know, five foot three, senior in high school, you know, I roll the window down like, you know, like that. There's this woman. She goes, 
can you give me a ride down the street? Give me a ride down the street. I need to get down, I need to, get down to 3rd Street. And immediately I felt the Holy Spirit talk to this woman about me. Share, share, share my love with her. And sometimes you can have the right mindset, but the wrong message. And so I said, I looked to her, and I was going to say, yes, uh, get in the car. I'll, I'll take you somewhere if you let me talk with you. If I can just talk with you. Instead, my words kind of came out wrong. And I said, hey, I'll give you a ride if you let me do something to you. And as soon as those words came out, I started going like this. I was going, <laughs> I kid you not, here's what she did. Fine. And she opens the door and gets in. I'm going. I had the boldness. I didn't have the message down. I had the mindset. I didn't have the message. You got to be willing to mess up a little bit. You got to be willing to just get out there and try. You got to share the right message. The most important thing that I complete is my mission, Paul says. The work that the Lord Jesus gave me. Here's the work Jesus gave Paul to tell people the good news about God's grace. And I had a, a gentleman a while back say to one of our team, we're not hard enough on sin. Pastor doesn't preach hard enough on sin. And we, we want to go to a church where we preach hard on sin. I get that. I get that. They like, they like a church service where the guy really kind of rails against hot topic sin stuff in our culture. And I mean, the list is long. I can, I'll pick and choose. Throw me one. I can, I, you know what? You throw it to me. I can preach. I could preach about moss on the north side of a tree if I had to. Moses was on the north side of the desert. And the moss is on the north side of the tree. I could preach. I could yell at people about how ugly they are with their sin and how bad people are and how you, you got to turn or burn and judgment of God. Death comes unexpectedly. And the Lord God Jehovah will strike his vengeance upon you. I could do all that. But I'm trying to follow the way Jesus talked to Paul. Tell people the good news about God's grace. I think a lot of people already know they got issues. What they need is they need to know answers. They need to know hope. They don't need another person to beat them up about stuff that privately they beat themselves up about. Now let me say this. We are not, we are not sissies on sin here. Okay, Sin is sin. But, but we're also not going to just rail against one sin over another. When I feel like it's culturally relevant, in fact, I'm, I'm just going to say it right now. Staff doesn't even know this. And as soon as I stay, say that, they go, uh-uh. Right after groups are over in November, in December, there's a couple weeks there. I am going to do a workshop on Wednesday nights for two or three weeks in a row. depends on sexuality. All about sexuality. Hetero. Homo, pre-marriage, extramarriage, extramarital. I'm going to talk about sexuality because 
the enemy would love nothing less than to, to, to grip the identity of you and have you define it in a way that's beyond the word of God as the moral compass of our life. And that's a hot topic because I know a lot of our families and friends, relatives, associates, neighbors are dealing with that situation, dealing with same-sex attraction and sexuality. And you know what? It just makes more sense for us to live together even though we're not married. And I'm going to tell you something. God cares about those things. And so I'm just giving you a little salt. I'm seasoning it with salt that coming up. I'm going to do a little workshop, and I hope that you'll, you'll come and listen to what God would want. We're going to investigate God's word together. That's a little commercial. But the good news, sin is sin. We're not sissies on sin here. Sin is sin. You know what sin is? Sin is this. When I sit on my throne and I say I'm in charge, that's sin. God says it this way. I sit on my throne, and I'm going to talk about people behind their back. It's gossip. It's sin because Jesus says, let me sit on the throne of your life and guard your mouth. And you say, no, God, I'm going to do this. You want to talk about a Game of Thrones? That's the Game of Thrones. Where I sit on the throne of my life and I choose for myself. It's what Adam and Eve did when they took the fruit. We want to be in charge. We want to be knowing God. We can do it. I know God said one way, but this makes sense to me. That's sin. And people need to not just know you're in sin. They need to know the grace, the good news about God's grace. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. That's the grace. The old is gone. The new has come. God was reconciling the world, balancing the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us. Committed to who? To the angels. No. Wait. Committed to Paul. Wait. No. Committed to the 12 disciples. Wait. Uh, huh? Committed to the pastor. Committed to the staff. Committed to the dream team. Who's he committed the message of reconciliation? Us. Anybody that's bowed in knee to Christ, who loves Jesus who's finding freedom from what's holding them back and discovering your purpose, you will never find life with Christ without or absent of the purpose of telling others about the message of reconciliation. And reconciliation is where God balances the books of our lives, brings back together in harmony life with us and God. Number three, since the right moment. The Bible says in his, man, in his heart a man plans, but God determines the outcome. You, you, you don't have to force a conversation with someone. You don't have to gulp and go into the break room tomorrow and say, well, G Pastor Jeremy said people need, you know, attention everybody, thus saith. I mean, you don't have to do that. Since the right moment, the moment's going to come. Jane and I were getting off the airplane in the airport. A woman behind us said, you guys are from Texas? And we said, yeah. I said, oh, you're getting the flood. I'm from Louisiana, and I decided to come in and visit my son for a while. And we're just walking down to baggage claim as we're talking, and, and she's saying something about her son. And then she says, yeah, my other son, he's, he's been an addict for 12 years, and I don't even know what to do. Like, out of the blue, she's talking about you got to go visit this place, you know, uh, here where, we're, where, where you're visiting. you got to see, you got to eat at that restaurant. And then out of the blue, she just says, yeah, my other son, he's, he's been an addict for 12 years. I don't even know what to do anymore. We're walking to baggage claim, and I said, hey. Hey, do you have two minutes? I said, Janet, let's just step over here for a second. I said, it, it just so happens that I'm, I'm a Christ follower. And I believe, I hate telling people I'm a pastor, to be honest with you. I'm not embarrassed of it, but like it takes the conversation. Oh, well, bless the Lord. I do too. I love to. <laughs> Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't get it. You know, clam up. Hey, I'm a, I'm a Christ follower. And 
man, I, I, bet, I bet you're tired. And she just, tears. Just, just, just tears in the, in the terminal. And I said, can I just put my arm around you? And Janet was right there. And we just prayed for her son by name and for her and for this time that she's going to love in Hawaii. And, but yet this, this hurting son. And there was this countenance change. There was just this countenance change in her life. God wants to, you just sense the right moment. I don't go onto an airplane. Anybody need to hear about Jesus today? Sit with me. But you got to sense the right moment. And can I tell you, people, they, they, you need to be worried more about connection than correction with people. Some of you, you're worried about trying to correct someone's lifestyle, correct their sin, correct their, their life. What you need to be worried about is just connecting with people. Connect with them. God's the one that corrects. Connect with them. Share your story. God can bring the correction. He's best at transformation. He didn't call you to transform. He just called you to, to give the ministry of reconciliation. Don't wait until a crisis hits to show people who Jesus is. I mean, hey, my hands are, are applauding our efforts through Hurricane Harvey. The church gets together when a crisis happens. But can I tell you, if we wait until crisis, we will miss the current crisis. The current crisis is people are living without the hope of Jesus and they're driving to and from work every day, not really realizing that there's a better life, a vastly better life, if they would surrender to the love, the grace, and the redemption of Jesus in their lives. That's a crisis. Now, we are quick on a crisis. We do good when an emergency happens. We gear up. I mean, we had 42,000 dream teamers ready to serve that next Sunday. Give me a shirt. Put me in, coach. Put me in center field. I'm ready to go. Don't wait for the crisis. Every single day is an opportunity to have the right moment if we're sensitive to it. Number four, select the method that fits you. Select the method that fits you. For some people, it would be a preaching or a teaching or having a, a group in your home and doing a Bible study. Um, I've, I've seen all kinds of crazy methods. I've seen all kinds of methods, you know, uh, I was at a conference in California a while back, and, and my, my, my family actually was attending with us. And um, we were in California in L.A., and we happened to go up to Hollywood Boulevard, and we were walking around, putting our feet in the feet of celebrities and putting our hands, you know, my hands, you know, almost fit into the hand of Shirley Temple. And, and it, was, it, was, it was awesome. And um, we were... We were waiting in line. If you want a way overpriced burger, um, go to Hard Rock Cafe. And we were waiting in line for the Hard Rock Cafe. And, and we were waiting in line to go get our dinner. And as we're waiting, there is this car that drives by down the street of Hollywood Boulevard. It's a Lexus SUV with tinted out windows. And on the passenger side, on our side, the passenger side, the window was rolled down about to here. And there was a megaphone sticking out of it just like that. Couldn't see in, but you could see the megaphone. And they were, and it was basically like this. Judgment is coming. The wrath of God will be upon you. Have you not read Revelation? You need to understand that, that it is a, a burning sensation that will happen in the pits of hell. And you must accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Repent. Run away from your sins. You are heathens. You are pagans. And God is going to surely judge this. And, oh, yes, all the way. we uh, Come visit us at Better Grace, Faith. 
Tabernacle Church, Sundays 930 and 11 at www.getrightorgetlefttunerburn.com. So that's what, that's the, that's the armor they wanted to wear. We drove by and Janet's like, that's going to go in a sermon someday. <laughs> Megaphone out the window, you know, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. And we, you can all kinds of, let me give you some methods that I think are some easy methods. And they're not going to, not going to scare you. They're not going to scare you. Ready? You ready? Yes. You ready for some methods? I'm going to give you a method you could do this week. You could do it. You ready? Here we go. Dinner with a sinner. It's an easy, it's an easy thing. And you know what it is? It's not like, hey, uh, I'm calling you because you're a sinner. I want to know if you want to break bread at Red Lobster. It's not that. It's, and here's what's funny. Some of you are going to get an invite to this week from somebody at church. And you're like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I actually sit on the back. I'm, I'm out, I'm the, oh, dude, I thought you were a pagan. Uh, dinner with a sinner. Now, when you have dinner with a sinner, you simply say, you want to come over and eat? It's not, hey, you want to come over, break bread, and fellowship with one another? What? You say, just come over. We're, I'm, we're cooking lasagna. We're going to hang out on the patio. The weather's getting better. The love bugs are better. You know what? God's, God's gift of love bugs is for people in East Texas to keep their mouths shut more often. That's, that's, what God's, that's the gift of love bugs right there. You know, all these love bugs swarming. You just zoop. Otherwise, like, I heard the other Where, what am I doing? I got to get on. I got to get on. I'm, I've kept you late. Here we go. We're going to finish up. You give me a couple more minutes because we're going to finish strong. Here we go. A dinner with a sinner doesn't mean that, you know, to, to prepare for them, you, you put out all the crosses on the wall. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And, and, you know, you got the footprints in the sand picture over by the toilet, you know, and people come in and, and you just hear, people need the Lord. You know, you just hear all this music going, you know, and, and, you, and you, you've, you've unrolled the toilet paper and you've placed tracks in the toilet paper. And so in the powder room when they take some toilet paper, out pops a track. Where would you be if you died tonight? You know, that's not dinner with a sinner. Dinner with the sinner is just connecting to people outside the faith with no ulterior motive than just to be listening to the Holy Spirit and listening to them and just share a meal. Just share a meal. Just listen. Just listen. In fact, that's, that's the next one. Shut up and dance. <laughs> I, I, said, I, I wanted to write that because it reminds me of like, you know, we, you know, we used to like do human videos on the side of the street, you know, and like, we don't need to dance for people. We need to shut up and listen. We got to shut up and listen and just listen to people. Listen to people. Listen to what's going on. Wait for the opportunity. You know a good trick? Good trick? And I, I don't know. I'm so stressed out. I don't know how I'm going to make it through the end of this quarter at work. You listen and you know what? something you could say. I say it's a trick, but it's an easy conversation. Man, I wish I could give you some of the some of the peace I have. I wish I could give you some of the peace that I have. Well, what do you mean you got peace that I, you got peace that I don't have? How'd you get that peace? Huh. Well, I don't know if you want to know about it. I want to know about it. Well, it really has to do with my faith. It has to do with Jesus who is peace and I can't give you that peace. Only he can give you that peace and you know, just little conversations, and you don't have to do that at the first dinner or the seventh dinner, but you just show Jesus to people. You 
provide the Holy Spirit an opportunity and you just see what God might do. You don't have to preach. It's better to listen and, let, and see what Jesus might just do. You know, another thing you can do is the come and see. If you start getting into a conversation at a dinner with a sinner, and you say, hey, you know, you struggling with that? You should come to my church. We talk about stuff like that. Why don't you come, why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you come to church with me? And people in this church, who, who's here because they were invited somebody, by somebody? Who invited you to church? Yeah. Who is it? Harley? Carly. Carly Soul? Awesome. Carly? Carly Duplichet, not Carly Soul. Carly Soul, get to, get to work. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, who else was invited? Who, 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 invite, who invited you? Say it loud. JC. Who, invi who invited you? Cheyenne. Who invited you? Dwayne Freeman. I've heard that one a lot. <laughs> who else is invited by Dwayne Freeman? Put your hand up. You were invited by Dwayne Freeman. Several in the first service. I know you over there. Dwayne, I love you, man. You're an inviter. Who else? Who was invited? Yeah? Your biology teacher in high school. Listen up, teachers. You say, students, I want to teach you four, I'm going to teach you five keys to life, and I'm going to give you only four. You talk about life, you talk about biology. What's the fifth one? If you want to hear the fifth one, meet me after class. I'll tell you about the fifth one. <laughs> biology teacher. Who else? Yeah? Jeremiah Campbell. Who else? The Palmers. Dwayne Freeman brought the Palmers, and now the Palmers brought the Lindsays? Isn't that amazing how that works? I see Chris Henson over here. You guys are invited from the air show. And now they came to the air show over at the airfield. We invited them just through an outreach. Now when we're doing the air show outreach, guess who's going to be serving at the air show outreach? What? What? That's like, and thus saith the Lord, Mike, drop. God's up to something. The come and see. We want to create an environment that makes sense to people's lives, that doesn't sugarcoat sin, but says how grace, how wonderful the grace of God is, and give everybody in this room, even if you're here right now struggling with where you are with God, you have a place at this table, and we want to see you find and follow Jesus. You know, the best thing you could ever do, even beyond inviting people to church, because I don't want us just to be inviting people to church. That's one thing. But there's a lot of people, they just need to hear your story. Before they even come to church, they just need to hear your story. Your story, where you were, how God came into your life, and how he's made a difference in your life. Three pieces. Where I was, when God came in, how my life is different. I challenge you, put an elevator conversation together with those three things. A one-minute conversation, a one-minute story, where I was, how God came in, how my life is different. And your story can change people's lives because it introduces them to Jesus. You'll remember, friends, Paul says, when I first came to you to let you in on God's master stroke, I didn't try and impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. 
I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is, and Jesus, what he did, Jesus crucified. He kept it simple. The man who wrote more books of the New Testament than any other man. I was unsure of how to go about this, and I felt totally inadequate. Maybe some of you feel that way. I was scared to death, if you want to know the truth of it. And so nothing I said could have impressed you or anyone else, but the message came through anyway. Just give God an opportunity for the message to come through anyway. God's spirit and God's power did it, which made it clear that your life of faith is a response to God's power, not to some fancy mental or emotional footwork by me or anyone else. It's God's power in their life, not your footwork. The final thought. Your next step embrace grander vision living we're going to baptize some people we had several people leave during the first part of the service said I want to be baptized we're going to end the service with these baptisms but let me finish with this and the scripture worship team everybody just come on up when Jesus calls can can, can we just have a a, let's have a just you and me for a minute I can't do this because we're online okay so I'll just stay right here hi online we're so glad you're joining us here's it I mean that So, Jesus is getting ready to call the first disciples and he's preaching and he's teaching and he comes to the Sea of Galilee and he's talking and he he understands that the voice is gonna travel over the water better because he's being cramped down at there at the the shoreline. And so he gets on a boat that's owned by a man named Peter and they had been cleaning their nets all, all morning because they had fished all night and guess how much they had caught? Not a catch, like not even a bite. Sounds like an excursion I took when I was in Hawaii with my wife. Four hours, not a nibble. Had to listen to a guy who referred to himself as just call me poodle all day. I got stories coming for you. I got stories coming in the next couple of weeks. Jesus is sharing the message of hope. And he asked Peter, who's cleaning the nets, will you come and launch out into the deep and let's let our nets down for a catch? This will be fun. I've never, you know, this will be fun for us to do. And Peter's like, I haven't caught anything all night. We're tired, we're cleaning the nets. But because you say so, we'll try it. And so because he said so, they tried it. Wouldn't you believe? You couldn't imagine, Keith, the kind of fishing they did that day. They dropped the net into the water and it is such a massive catch. It is like dollar signs blinking in their eyes. They're hearing cha-ching. They're like, I can't wait till I tell my wife that we caught so much fish. I'm going to bust open the door. It's like, we're going to go to Target today, baby. And then he's like, oh, no, no, we're boycotting Target. I'm going to go. We're going to go to Walmart and get you some pearl necklaces. So, so. They're so excited about the catch of fish. They got to bring another ship in, bring it to the shoreline. And could you imagine their feeling? They had never had a business day like this business day. Business was good. And Jesus walks up to him and says, pretty exciting, huh, guys? <laughs> yeah, it's great. He says, hey, 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 hey. You think this is good? You think this catch is good? Follow me. invites them from a moment of miracle to a grander vision of not just having a good day to put money in the bank 
but to say, we can catch people like we're catching fish. And they followed him. <laughs> God wants you to live beyond the daily catch and to see grander vision living beyond your dinner with just you and invite people to the table that you can just listen to, that you can just talk to, that you can just laugh with, not even agree with, and just start catching people. It's a bigger vision. It's a bigger vision. And God's called us to it. Paul says, I voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose living immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. You know, I, I, I didn't start smoking weed to you know, bring my weed smoking friends into the kingdom. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Today, we get to celebrate baptisms because there are men and women that have said, I want to not just hear about it. I don't want to just talk about it. I want to be in on it. And they are embracing a life of grander vision living, guys, girls. You're embracing grander vision living. When you die to self that the water represents a grave and you come in, you are saying, I'm not perfect. I'm not going to have all my ducks in a row. I'm, you know, you might have some family in here and saying, well, we'll see what happens. Let him talk. You just serve Jesus and embrace a grander vision living. So would you stand? If you're getting baptized today, would you stand? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate you guys. If you, let me answer this question. If you made the decision to follow Jesus by asking him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that he is Lord, if so, say yes. Are you making the decision today not to live a perfect life? But through these waters of baptism, you're saying, I'm declaring to people that I want Jesus to be my moral compass. I want to follow him in Christ-like character, convictions, and conduct. If so, say yes. We're going to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Would you guys do this? This is not the time to leave. This is the best part of the service. I'm going to end with a prayer. But would you stand? Let's celebrate these baptisms. And then I'm going to come and pray a prayer over us through Scripture.
challenging you. Be salt. Don't pour it down anybody's throat, but be salt. Be salt. The same scripture I just read to you from uh, Paul's writings, I have made it a declaration. Instead of Paul saying he's done this, we're going to read this together, and we're going to activate this scripture as a declaration for our own life, okay? So I want us to read it strong, read it boldly, read it like you mean it, and we're going to read this together. Are you ready? Here we go. Let's read it out loud. Here we go. I will voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I won't take on their way of life. I will keep my bearings in Christ but I will enter their world and try to experience things from their point of view. I will become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I will do all this because of the message. I don't just want to talk about it. I want to be in on it. Prayer team. Prayer team, come quickly. Pastoral staff, deacon team, right across here. If you need to talk to someone about hope, if you, if you got an issue in your life, before we leave, before you leave, as I'm dismissing, I encourage you to find someone to pray with. Don't go home without getting somebody to pray with you. If you need to ask Jesus into your heart and you don't know how to do that, talk to someone down here. We'll take you in the next step journey. But for the rest of us, may the God of peace bless you. May he guide you. May his face shine upon you. And may you be salt of the earth. If you receive it, would you say amen? God bless you, everybody. See you next Sunday.